Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations with Calvin, We the Species. Uh, and uh, I've been anticipating this interview for a long time uh, with Samantha Waldron. And, and I got to do a little Johnny Carson monologue just to kind of set this up. We, yeah. Uh, we met uh, on LinkedIn, which is a great place. Love LinkedIn. Samantha loves it. I love it. Uh, our other little bridge of commonality uh, is we're both Rutgers, uh, and the other bridge of commonality uh, is the number one 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 one. You can all digest that. Another bridge of commonality is is planet Earth. We kind of like planet Earth, and we want to do things to help it. And Samantha's life and career is involved in that. We'll get to that. Uh, so this we were actually actually we've been. Sitting and chatting here for almost an hour, just to because we've chatted and and Samantha is also part of this little group that we created a year and a half ago. She's very much a part of it now. Uh, core climate optimists in parenthesis, not everything fine. Uh, so there are so many levels uh, of depth and breadth to Samantha Walden, uh, and and uh, we've just redefined her. Uh, she's not a Gen Z. I thought she was, she thought she was, but she's a millennial. Uh, but what she's accomplished as a millennial uh, in this quarter of a century is beyond the stuff they make movies about. Uh, I'm serious. Uh, her commitment to being a humanitarian and to planet Earth and, and all this stuff and her exuberance and energy. So this is going to be one great interview that I'm so excited about, Samantha. Uh, Me too. So, Thank you. Wow. <laughs> well, uh, you deserve it. This is good <sighs> stuff, and you're you're a role model for for legions of Gen Zs and Millennials to jump on to your to your platform, which is caring and being humanitarian and being a person of the earth, because we need that. What do we need that? So I'm I'm done with my monologue, which was a little <laughs> too long, but so be it, Samantha. Welcome. And and I guess the best way is, is just start out a little bit where you came from and we'll, we'll go from there. Take it away. Thank you, Calvin. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so grateful and blessed to be here. Um, so I'm an environmental remediation scientist based in New Jersey, and I'm also a humanitarian into volunteering work, uh, not just in New Jersey, but all over the United States and all over the world. Uh, I have connections through Rotary International, uh, which a branch of that is Rotaract. Um, I'm the vice president of the Rotaract Club of New Jersey. And I also do my individual volunteering work through United Way and United Way of North Jersey. Um, my love for the, the environment, nature, the planet, and volunteering has originated ever since I was young person and growing up in a very small town, Layton, New Jersey, uh, very, very um, remote rural area in Sussex County. Um, in 2000, the census was like 250. <laughs> but, um, you know, my parents owned a small business. And I went to school and I lived in nature tons of trees. We lived right along a little river and I've always felt a connection with the environment around me and how all life is so precious. And the earth is our mother. She takes care of us, but only when we take care of her. So through high school, I volunteered with Interact and we've done so many different types of projects from picking up trash alongside the road to providing meals for families in need, to you know, pillowcases for children with cancer in local hospitals. And uh, there's just something about giving to the community, giving the time that I have, the resources I have, and the privileges I have, and sharing with the people around me to help make the world a better place. It just makes me feel good. That's you know the only reason why I really do it. But it really strengthens that spiritual connection I have with the planet. And I really feel like it's just so much more fun when friends come and you make friends 
And it's really actually a blast, especially when we're all having fun together with a common purpose to give back, to pay it forward. So um, that's kind of the start. <laughs> so um, you, you went to Kittatinny High School, which is, there's a, a military installation up there. It probably came from there. But um, uh, you, you won a, a Coca-Cola Pay It Forward. Um, and it's funny, because um, last night I was told about uh, the stuff on Hulu, they have a thing about food companies in America. And the first part of it was Kellogg's cornflakes uh, and Coca-Cola and Heinz ketchup. How these, but uh, I watched how Coca-Cola got invented by a pharmacist. And of course, I, I was a pharmacist. But anyway, you were the recipient um, back in 2016. So you're kind of a little kid uh, of a Pay It Forward Academy Scholarship, which is great. Thank you. Yeah, that was that was kind of surreal. I'm not going to lie. My dad brought a can of Coke home with a scholarship link to it, and it was for Mother's Day. And he said to my mom, hey, you should just, you know, check this out. So my mom went on and it was a 50 word essay, five zero. Like, you know how you usually have like a five paragraph essay for school? No, this was only 50 words. 50 so like, words. Wow. 50 words, super short. And, you know, that was around the time where I realized, like, I met the horseshoe crabs in Cape May, and I realized how important they were, you know, their blue blood's been furthering medical research since the 1970s, that really inspired me to go into environmental science at Rutgers. And uh, at that point, I had been volunteering for a couple of years. So thankfully, you know, my parents really believed in me and felt like they needed to at least try. I mean, this is such a big company nationally. And I ended up being one of 50 people to receive the scholarship across the nation um, for $5,000 and a weekend in Atlanta, Georgia to visit the headquarters, meet the executives, learn about leadership, learn about intersectionality, social issues, and how I can harness my energy, my passion, and put it towards productive use and to help make the world a better place. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah, it happens to be a great company that gives back. Um, yeah, they're really working. They're working on it. They've got yeah. a lot of great stuff going on and they have long-term prospects to streamline their system and hopefully be more sustainable in the future. Yes, yes. Uh, it's quite a story um, it's a, uh, that I learned about that, and then coincidentally, um, so you're you're a millennial. We figured that out. Um, <laughs> thought you were Gen Z, but you're you're a millennial, which means you're over twenty two. Um, uh, your emotions and feelings, uh, because it's it's relatively unusual, I think for a millennial or Gen Z to get so involved in Mother Earth and you're so young. So, um, and you just said, you know, growing up in such a rural place with 250 people in your town. I mean, I got 250 people on my street, you know, so um, I, I can't process that. I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't process it because I've always lived uh, urban, basically. Mm -hmm. um, but so where does... Um, what are your emotions and feelings of being a millennial uh, and climate change and, and the hope for the, talk about the, the origins of these emotions and this, this powerful force within you because that's your career path now. Wow, that's a really loaded question. It's Thank a loaded you. question. I mean, just, yeah, just talk question. about your emotions and your, your feelings about you know, your age and, and, and your, your, your such a powerful commitment to people and to the planet. Thank you. So. Where does it come from? I mean. Where does it come from? Yeah. If we could bottle this and yeah. put it on the shelves. Yeah. Of an old fashioned pharmacy. Um, yeah. So every day is an opportunity to make a positive impact and we're kind of in the middle of a crisis right now. 
there's some people who are really struggling for some peace. And I have a lot of privileges and I'm so blessed to have grown up in a natural rural area with people where everyone knows everyone and you feel safe. And I believe I need to make some sacrifices of time and energy to really help make a difference and maybe help some people out. I know I can't do everything and there's so much, I mean, this is what I wake up with every day. And, you know, what gets me out of bed is the fact that I have a responsibility. I have, I have the, you know, my attitude about making the world a better place comes from accountability to take care of the people around me and the planet because every day I'm alive, I breathe clean air, I drink clean water and I eat healthy food. And these are privileges that I am, you know, I work hard every day and, and, you know, I, I should deserve it, but everyone deserves it. Everyone deserves clean water, a clean atmosphere, clean water, clean food, you know, and mother earth provides these things to us. And in order for our planet to provide these necessities that we deserve, we have to take accountability to work towards taking care of it and cleaning it, maintaining it, monitoring it. And that's where my responsibility for my job comes in. It's where my passion for my extracurricular volunteering comes in. I'm not paid for volunteering. I, I, you know, I drive myself, I buy the plants to plant at the garden and, you know, my friends and I work together to, to, to plant the plants and water it and take care of it. So, you know, nothing good comes easy. Everything takes effort. And I have a strong belief that when everyone works together, many hands can make magic when we work as a team Correct. and it comes in community. And that's where, you know, growing up in a small rural area kind of taught me. I mean, everyone knows everyone, but we also have to work together to make sure we're healthy and that our community works. So I, I could, I could ramble. <laughs> I know. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, I'm listening to you uh, and I marvel at you and I'm so glad. Oh, thank you. you <laughs> kind of got us together on LinkedIn but um when I was just a couple of years older than you are now uh I had a commitment and and I had I had those ideals I still do uh and and I needed to do something for me and to express how I feel about Mother Earth and and I I knew enough that that the the beef industry you know with water tons of water to water the grass or cow can uh, eat that grass mm -hmm. uh and then they make a big mac uh, out of the cow and and the methane goes up there and tremendous yeah. amounts of methane and, and the whole so i made a commitment uh just not to eat anything with four legs uh, ever again and, and i haven't in you know 45 50 years whatever it is um and and that was a powerful move and and i loved corned beef and pastrami and steak, but I won't eat it. And I haven't. Uh, so I feel I have, and I had that energy and passion that you have now. And, and I took it to something that made it work for me. So um, uh, uh, I'm reading some of your comments here. Uh, uh, it's, this is powerful. Humanity is at the last crossroad. Um, uh, everyone must be involved regularly, locally, nationally, worldwide. That's a powerful message that you're delivering. Thank you. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm so excited. You know, unfortunately climate change is not far away, you know, and, and, and this is kind of where I want to get into why should people care? Why should I care? Why should anybody care? Anybody who's listening out there? Why does this apply to every single person on the planet? Why does everyone have this responsibility? Because climate change isn't far away. It's right now. There are 
dramatic changes in our meteorology and our average temperature over time. And we've talked about this in our climate change talks and, you know, we can drop the link to that on the video, yes. but um, long-term incremental changes and increases in our average temperature causes a cascading effect that directly affects our livability of our habitat. And in order for us to survive, in order for us right now to be healthy and for us to cope with our living environment and in order for our children to survive and their children, we need to act right now. Because with all the doomsday stories out there, you're hearing that we're out of time or that there's nothing we can do. Those are meant to instill urgency, but maybe, we need to change our methods. And I'm hoping that me here doing this and my work and our talks here can inspire people to join us because if we act right now, we might have a shot at a really long, beautiful reign of humanity. I mean, even Elon Musk says we can expand humanity into the solar system. But the only way for us to do that is to take care of our home planet. Correct. We can't leave unless we try. I mean, we have to try everything we can possibly do to make sure that the people who are left behind can actually survive, even if we leave Earth. So right. why should we care? Because it's affecting us right now. Our land is contaminated. Our water is contaminated. Our environment is struggling and every alive person right now, every person that exists is the last line of defense because armed with our knowledge and awareness and education, we must seize this opportunity and do at least one thing every day that ensures our health and safety for the future for the environment and for humanity. Exactly. Um, uh, it's I'm, a commitment. Yeah, it's a commitment and, and we all, you know, we have our, um, we have our little group, a climate optimists, not everything fine. We have panels and, and, and one of our little uh, mission statements is when there's a billion with a B, billion groups like ours, talking about the things yep. that you're talking about absolutely then we're well on our way to having fixed the problems that we have you know uh is it, to me what's going on is so biblical uh you know you got one yes. third of pakistan is underwater and and you got one third of the western united states doesn't have any water um and you tell me that's not biblical um, uh, uh, and, and it's it, their it, symptoms they're really There's symptoms. symptoms to Mother Earth's illness, and we have to take her to the doctor and figure Correct. it out. <laughs> Correct. We, no, I'm laughing, really but do. it's because it's uncomfortable, you know. And uh, if and like you said, if there's billions of groups out there like us, and everyone's involved locally, nationally, and worldwide, we might actually have a fighting chance. Correct. And the secret to solving these issues is accepting the fact that learning and education, this concept is a never ending lifelong journey. We never stop learning. I mean, years ago, we thought we were saving the trees by using plastic instead of paper until we realized that plastic is toxic and it's everywhere. And there's so much of it that we don't even know what to do anymore. We're, and the we're only idiots. way to stop that is by cutting back and making rules and us abiding by them. And, you know, if, if there are better ideas, we should all put our heads together and figure out how to make this easier for all of us. It's a complicated discussion. It's, it's a controversial. Discussion. Many facets. So, Samantha, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, there was an old, old, old TV show in the 50s called This Is Your Life way before your time almost before my time but but anyway so this is your life where we're we're kind of learning about you so how about uh talking about your time at 
directors and studying biological, um, uh, environmental and biological sciences. Talk about your your time at, at Rutgers. Uh, yeah, and thanks for asking. Um, I love Rutgers. I have a few family members, including my mother, who went to Rutgers and it, it's a really great school. And I, I learned a lot, not just academically, but emotionally, you know, and uh, I learned lessons and, uh, you know, even with the COVID closure, I mean, I graduated in the class of 2020 and that was, you know, I mean, wow. I was go I came back from Nepal. Okay. So, so I came back from Nepal and I started my senior year. This was my last semester. And they said, see you in two weeks. And then before I knew it, I was schooling from home online and I graduated on a Zoom. Wow. <laughs> wow. And uh, I got my, I have my, my diploma and, and now I'm in the workforce for four years now. And, uh, you know, in my career for four years. And uh, I have Rutgers to thank for many of my successes. And uh, Rutgers was a big motivator for me in high school to do well and, get an education. You know, when I first started at Rutgers, I, I joined Students for Environmental and Energy Development, and we did so many fun projects. Rutgers really helped us with giving us the time, the energy, the resources, the money, the funds, and the support by the professors to run a successful organization. When I became president, we took that group from only 10 members to 50. Wow. And now we have 200 followers on our Instagram plus, really? and, uh, and they're getting started for the new year. They still invite me back for career panels and activities. And uh, it was so much fun. And we learned about team building, project management, um, finding a career, how to debate, um, learning about the government, learning about technology, so many different things. And we took part in competitions, inter-club communication. It was a dream come That's true. Great. And we even got to go to California. Wow. It was amazing. Wow. So yeah, that was time really well spent. And, and, and what is your connection to Douglas? Um, yeah. Oh, my mother uh, and I really care about Douglas because, you know, growing up in a rural area, you know, demographically homogenous. I wasn't aware of how lucky I was to grow up in such a safe environment with clean food, water, and air. And going to Douglas, I learned about all of the ways that social issues intersect with science and our reality and how what we look like, who we are, where we came from, all of this impacts the way that our lives are, you know, the cards that were dealt. And it's a responsibility to make sure that everyone has a fair shot at hard work and success because it's, it's, we're all from different places. I mean, factory towns, for example, the contamination, I mean, most of the contamination that I find in my job comes from areas where the marginalized great majority are placed. And the, and, you know, I mean, I am in these communities when I'm remediating, when I'm investigating and, you know, assessing the extent of the contamination. And it's very different from where I live. And um, I had to learn a lot about how my life is different from the, the lives of others and how I have this responsibility, a recurring theme to take care of the people around me and the planet around me because I have this time and I have empathy. I mean, I, if I lived in that situation, I'd want it to be better too. So that's why I'm here. I'm here to help. And it's not for me to be something good or, you know, for people to think I'm good. It's because I genuinely feel good doing it. And I want people to be successful. I want everyone to live a happy fulfilled life and for their children to be safe healthy and happy that's why i'm involved in 
education aspects of humanitarian work and volunteering. And, um, you know, Rutgers was very, a very busy time for me. I had volunteering through Rotaract where we were doing hygiene kits and, you know, bags of candy and, you know, gifts for children in hospitals in marginalized communities. And, um, you know, at the same time, I was also as a sophomore doing my first internship. So I was multitasking. (laughs) Unbelievable multitasking. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I wanted to pay for school too. So I was also working at the Cook Cafe. I saw that. I saw that. That's great. yeah, it's a, I was just on Cook College campus a couple of weeks ago. Beautiful uh, campus. Beautiful campus and this uh, food science building, um, uh, nutrition, whatever. Oh, yeah. That's my wow. stomping grounds. Yes, we, we had a One Health. We have to talk about that. Uh, one Health. Um, we'll talk about that later when we're off the air. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I've never. It was. A, it's a magnificent campus. So. Um, uh, you know, I have this connection to Douglas. I told you about it. I've been to Sacred Path. Um, Sacred uh, Path. And, and, yes. and my very first date, uh, 1965, um, was with a Douglas girl. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So that's a long time ago. My God. Anyway. Forced to reckon with. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so you graduate. And, and you're now an, an official um, remediation scientist, if you want to talk yes. about what you're doing now, your career. By the way, I, I should say, and I've learned enough listening to you, uh, uh, I did extract something you mentioned. People don't realize that we've got a Jersey audience here, but New Jersey's number one in the country in Superfund sites, Correct. Yeah, we were saying in the last video, you know how we're the garden state and the diner state? Well, we're also the super fun site state. Oh. <laughs> it's not good. We're but a small state. We also have a special government that's working on it. So, yeah, you know, what were you going to say? Sorry. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, 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 we're a small state, yet we lead the country in, in the number of polluted mm-hmm. sites. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny. I, I, I went yesterday and I was thinking of you. I went yesterday to to refill our propane tank so we could grill outside. Uh, um, I do eat chicken, not meat, but um, but anyway, uh, there was a sign that this is, there was a Superfund site remediation, but it had fallen over. And and I don't think uh, any, and, and I've been going to this place for years, I don't think anybody does anything. It, it just It's just a sign that says this, but it, it was laying on half on the ground. So uh, I don't think anything was ever done there. Mm-hmm. It's a gas station. Yep. Yep. So, but anyway, Fortunately, about- that's like kind of the concentration of what, what I do at my job. Um, so as a sophomore in college, I earned my first summer internship uh, with ESA. Um, and all of my employment information is on LinkedIn. So um, there's more details there for us to check out. Um, so I was very privileged to earn this internship. It's a paid position. It was concurrent with Rutgers. So I was able to get credits for writing essays to Rutgers, uh, while working, um, at this paid position. And, uh, I did a full summer and then they invited me to stay. Well, I, I, I did a summer internship and then they asked me to stay on full-time during the summers and part-time during the school year. So um, I was lucky to be brought on from an environmental intern to an environmental technician. So there I was learning the basics, like a crash course in um, environmental remediation consulting. And we're a firm. Um, my, my current place is a firm too. I, I, like, I like this niche of environmental remediation where we investigate sites of concern. We look for any sensitive receptors, any... Um, any possibilities of contamination, uh, where it's going, what the geology is like, where the water is, and you know who's around. Is there drinking water, potable wells, um, anywhere where people could get sick? And uh, 
we track the contamination, where it's going and how to stop it, how to make it better. Um, some sites feel like they're pretty much impossible to figure out uh, as they're very, um, you know, there's industrial sites, there's gas stations, there's even like simple things like car washes. I mean, all of these things, anything with a product could, that could, you know, soak into the soil might have the potential to hurt people in the environment. And, you know, the environment and people are very connected um, because all of the water in an area are connected. It, you know, there, it's an aquifer underground. It's an underground river. We talk about this in the climate talk and I can, you know, talk about it more, but long story short, my mission is to protect human health and the environment by cleaning up the cancer causing contamination that's getting into our soil, into our crops and into our drinking water. Um, and I've been doing this since 2018. Um, I've, I was at ESA for two years. Uh, and then once COVID hit, I was furloughed and I explored another rigorous field position until I got an offer from AES, my current place. And uh, I've been there ever since. Um, I'm actually really excited because so much amazing stuff's been happening there. It's a small company, but now we have over a hundred projects. Wow. My responsibilities are growing. I'm learning about governmental expectations and um, through the LSRPA, the Licensed Site Remediation Professional Association, we're also on LinkedIn, um, we're positively influencing the policies and legislation, as well as networking with other professionals, taking continuing education, and learning about the latest revolutionary technology that helps us clean this stuff up. It's very exciting. <laughs> it is very exciting. Um... It, it is. Um, so you do um, contaminated site remediation. You know, um, just to, uh, I'm on an environmental commission, uh, yes. and and we get these applications for buildings mm -hmm. uh, and projects, and and uh, we then make recommendations based on, and, and some of these reports are 10, 12, 15 pages long or longer on every environmental aspect it, it it blows me away I've, I've been doing it for a year it, it blows me away the depth and the detail it, it's put together by the lawyers who are working for the people who want to build something yep. but uh you're talking oh about, yeah we're, we're a, working with the lawyers too yeah uh, even a tree and, and plants every little minute detail in the application is considered uh uh, and and it, it it's like an oh wow for me all that goes in to a site to make sure it's up to environmental codes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's so a big financial it's a big financial challenge as well. I mean, they call it super fund site because they're super funds. I mean, this stuff takes hundreds of thousands of dollars. To, to millions of dollars. I mean, this is for not only like gas and oil, but also like chemicals that are very dangerous and cause cancer for us, not just cancer, but like painful illnesses and adverse health effects that we need to be aware of. And protecting community is like the number one priority, especially for like an environmental commission, for example, you know? And it's really great that you're involved with that with your community. There's a great responsibility for us to do that. And when more people join, it's more fun. It is fun. Uh, yeah. uh, it's a learning experience for me. Real quickly, what, what is um, part of your, your tools? What is geographical mapping? That's a great question. I love it. I'm so excited to share. So a geographic information system, GIS, is a system that creates, manages, and analyzes, well, and, and, and also maps all kinds of data. So in order for us to investigate, track, and remediate contamination, we need to understand where is it, where, how deep is it, where is it going, 
What kind of soil is it? I mean, New Jersey alone, super diverse soils. I mean, I don't even know everything yet. I've only been in this for four years. And, uh, you know, even though I'm armed with my education from Rutgers, I, I still have so much more to learn. But geology underground is so fascinating. I also work with AutoCAD, which is, you know, another drafting software. And that's the one I'm a little more dominant in, but I really love GIS. I learned it in college. I used it at ESA and we use it at AES as well. Um, GIS really helps us understand patterns, relationships, and geographic context. Um, and it benefits the improved communication and the efficiency for better management and decision-making. So what does that mean? Big words, we're understanding where the contamination is relative to the other areas of concern, sensitive receptors, ecological um, receptors. And, you know, and when I say receptor, I mean like vulnerable entities that could be adversely affected by the contamination whether it's people, whether it's a wetland, whether it's, um, you know, um, an endangered species nearby. I mean, it, it, the, it, the, the possibilities are endless. <laughs> Nothing is the same from time to time or place to place. So investigation requires lots of monitoring. So we need to take soil borings underground and screen them. So like we take tubes and we shove them in the ground, pull them out, look at the soil inside. And um, we take notes and bring the notes back to the office where I can make maps and, and show you where the contamination is. Um, maybe I'll send you, maybe I'll send you some later. Oh, cool. um, and, you know, the, the documentation is, is one of the most important aspects of remediation. This is where it really starts costing a lot of money. It's one thing to do the work outside. It's another thing to, to document it and, and share the information with the government. Um, you know, remediation professionals are always working with the government and submitting these reports in order for them to keep track so that we could map it all online and, you know, share the information with people like the, through the public records. And, uh, we want everyone to be educated and aware because this stuff is stinky, smelly, slimy, it's black when, and, and it's underground when it shouldn't be, it's unnatural, it turns rainbow colors when you have it in water, and, and you know, it's, it's like when you turn on your faucet and, it, and brown stuff comes out and it smells, I mean, that stuff's just not natural. So it's grueling work to, to clean up and it is very expensive because it requires so much knowledge. Lots of work with engineers, lawyers, private clients and owners of the surrounding properties that are indirectly affected wow. by this stuff. And, you wow. know, it, even the public, you know, we always have people that see our, I mean, we have to tell people through newspapers, through public notifications and, they wow. call us to ask questions and one of my jobs is to tell them what's up <laughs> wow yeah wow um there's an interesting uh i want to touch base with you on this um years ago i discovered i, I had a, a deficiency uh in magnesium yeah so uh um mm -hmm. oh yeah and, and this was a major supplement for me to take it's a mineral it's common so I, I've been taking magnesium. I discovered this 25 years ago. Uh, magnesium right down to regulating the, the rhythm of the heart. I mean, this yep. is heavy duty stuff. So um, as I'm getting to know you uh, and, and, and you kind of energized me to do more research and reading to try to keep up with you, which I'll never <laughs> be able to. But I discovered- I'm here to help. <laughs> yes, and you do help. But uh, part of my discovery was that uh, because of because we've overplanted for you know hundreds of years, and and part of the whole Mother Earth thing is we uh, and 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 I read somewhere that some places are, have maybe twenty or twenty five more planting cycles left before the soil is done. It won't give, but there's um, there's a uh, so here's the question. There's a loss 
a, a noticeable, definable loss of magnesium in our soil because of environmental factors, correct? In other words, maybe I'm, uh, uh, I mean, in other words, there's, there's um, uh, lots of people are magnesium deficient because there's not, today there's not enough magnesium in our soil and that's all part of environmental degradation, correct? There's definitely some soil degradation going on. Okay. From over, I mean, some of it's contamination and we can't use it to, um, you know, our crops being overused in the okay. same area, the same stuff in the same area. Um, Do you encounter, uh, I mean, is that part of your, is that part of the work you do? You're going to a place and can you tell people that, you know, the soil here is, we know it's polluted with this, it's that, and you don't have a lot of magnesium in the soil? That's a great question. And um, I part, so most of most that's, a, it's a great question. Um, I'm very niche and, and I'm still new, so I still have a lot more to learn, but um, a little bit of, of that is determining the health of the soil. Um, I do have connections that we can send soil to and they'll analyze it and let you know if it's good for growing food or if it's healthy. Um, you know, um, the largest part of my job is understanding the toxicology of different types of elements and compounds, such as magnesium. I mean, you could have a magnesium deficiency, but then you could also have an overdose. So toxic, the basis of toxicology is understanding that it's not always the type of Thing that you're absorbing, it's the dosage, just like water. You could be dehydrated, but you, you could also be overhydrated. You know, you could also drink too much water. Um, you know, there are different standards for the amount of magnesium or any kind of element. Um, I mostly work with volatile organic compounds, but metals are, are a very dominant aspect of my work. Um, we have different types of standards for soil, groundwater, drinking water, surface water, air. Um, and I put the numbers in our script. We don't have to reiterate them, but basically the recommend the, um, the, the daily value typically depending on age and gender is, is normally approximately 310 to three, uh, 310 to 420 milligrams right but you know the the residential standard for ingestion like eating and for dermal like your skin exposure is 1900 parts per million um milligrams per kilogram so in a kilogram of soil you could have 1900 milligrams and that's the most you can have okay. before something needs to be done about it okay um and that that's like the amount that you can have in the soil before it starts to potentially cause harm and that's just one of the standards we have i mean we have so we have like ingestion dermal we have um like inhalation so the amount that you can breathe in we have, you know, migration to groundwater. So how much can you have in the soil in an unsaturated region where like water, you know, comes up and down and it's not usually, I mean, there's the amount that could happen in soil before it percolates into the water and spreads. So we have standards for that as well. Um, because magnesium is used in so much manufacturing and production, they also use, you know, sulfur hexafluoride, which is a, you know, greenhouse gas to prevent the oxidation of the molten magnesium wow. during the production. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, sulfur um, hexafluoride, SF6, that has a global warming potential of almost 24,000 times that of carbon dioxide, which is the thing we all know about. 
Um, and that was from, I have sources. Um, so we can, we can put that in the, in the description okay. as well, if you want. All but, right. I just, um, I just wanted to just touch base on the magnesium thing because it, it's, it affects me personally. Um, yes. uh, going off topic. Yes. Um, I want to ask you a couple off topic questions. Yes. Um, uh, and there, uh, one is really easy and you don't have to answer it or you can, but I'll here, try. Goes, here goes. Um, I didn't even yeah. tell you I was going to go off topic, but I like to go off topic. Uh, okay. So, uh, excluding family or friends, okay. Samantha, uh, somebody living or dead you'd like to spend a day with. It could be a couple or one or whatever. It's a heavy question. Goes along with the whole theme of our little interview here. It's heavy, um, but we're going to go on heavy soon. I think it varies. I think it depends. Okay. You know, I like someone Sorry. alive that I'd love to talk to would be like Greta Thunberg because she and I have so much in common. Yeah. You know, blah, there blah, are many blah. amazing role models out there that you know. It, I mean, anyone who's also working towards solving climate change, I would be so honored to speak with, you know, I mean, just, just to, just to behold their presence and to, to potentially like bond over our desire to help make the world a better place. I mean, just off the top of my head, Greta Thunberg, like pops in my brain. I think we talked about her at the last talk. Too. Yeah, we did. That's fine. Um, That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. She, okay. Another really, off topic. Uh, another yeah. off topic question. Yeah. Uh, I I um I, I'm an old movie guy and and I can take a movie that I like and and like with Casablanca. You know I've watched yeah. it 150 times and it changed my life. But one of my favorite movies that I could watch once a week uh, is Aaron Brockovich. I don't know if you ever saw that. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, I kind I kind of live under a rock a little bit, but that's all right. No, but uh, it, well, I'm actually gonna give you an assignment to go watch. Okay. Well, because she's uh, this is she's a real this is a real biopic. Uh, um, you know Julia Roberts. Uh, oh, okay. And and she uh, through the processes of her life, and she's a single mother of three kids. Uh, she winds up working for this lawyer and she discovers that Pacific Electric and Gas has been putting hexavalent chromium uh, in their water supply. And Yeah, uh, that and is gas, something that I work with. Yeah, a hexavalent, hexavalent chromium. You should, uh, uh, I, I watch this movie, well, because it's her evolution as a young woman uh, to becoming a major environmental force and 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 they got together with this little lawyer and and they took on pacific electric and gas this multi-billion dollar company and they won because they the company had was hiding hiding the results uh and the information about hexavalent chromium they were using it in their collection tanks their water things uh to prevent rusting yep uh and, and it caused so many hundreds of people to have cancer and all kinds of terrible things, and and uh, and they won. There's two little people. Oh, okay, good. They won. And, and uh, um, the the and, and they went on to sue, and and they won. But it, it it's a marvelous. She went on to become this this celebrity. I mean, she didn't even have enough money to pay her phone bill when all this started. So it, yeah, it's a uh, relatable concept. <laughs> So, but anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, chromium six and, you know, magnesium, you know, even, even, I mean, there are so many, I, I have so much running through my brain right now. I'm overwhelmed, but, um, most of them, I mean, magnesium is not commonly known to be carcinogenic, mutagenic, or teratogenic. Teratogenic means like developmental malformations. Um, but it needs more testing and research as do many contaminants. I mean, the largest problem, I think, is that the, in general, with the environmental sciences for climate science, for remediation, for toxicology, we need more research, more investment. There's a market here, and we don't want to miss this opportunity. I mean, 
magnesium is not as stringent, but there are so many contaminants out there that, and, and just to name a few, we've got benzene, we've got toluene, we've got ethyl benzene, we've got xylenes and that, that little group there we call BTEX, like, cause they come up so often it's in gasoline. You know, um, I'm writing a, a preliminary assessment report about methyl tert butyl ether, MTBE. We've also got TBA, we've got two methyl naphthalene, one methyl naphthalene, naphthalene, just a few, a few major ones, oh, you know, there's wow. so many. And it, it, they can really cause, you know, not just cancer, but like for your kids to be missing body parts and to have developmental challenges that could affect them for the rest of their life. I mean, this is, this, it, it doesn't just affect humans, it affects our environment. I mean, our land can get sick and it won't, I mean, there are so many organisms that live in a clump of dirt. You would have, like, if you have a, like an aggregate clump, like when you're digging through dirt and you get these clumps, there's a whole ecosystem in there of microorganisms. It, it's a little biome and, and they're all just going through the little holes and pathways of the dirt and they live there. And when we keep contaminating it with this stuff, it's not, they're not going to be able to keep filtering and, you know, absorbing, it, it, it's eventually just going to, it's going to die. Um, and we won't be able to grow plants. We won't be able to grow crops. We won't be able to eat. But I'm very honored and excited to raise awareness and educate because now is the time to fix it. Sure we, is. We act right now. <laughs> it sure is. Um, let's segue to the last mm -hmm. section here because there's another great aspect to you that uh, I just love. Um, and uh, your humanitarian work, the fact that you took a, a trip to Nepal, which I always dream of. Uh, so talk about your humanitarian work, Rotaract, oh my uh, gosh. your vice president, yeah. and talk about your trip to Nepal. Oh my gosh, yes. Um, I, and thank you so much for your support with my endeavors, Calvin, it means so much. We're hoping to go back to Nepal soon, wow. hopefully next year, maybe February. Um, if I have the time to take off, but, um, I mean, I would, you could, I mean, you can come, I mean, it's, it, it's a, it's a long plane ride. I yeah. took Qatar Airways and they were wonderful. It was a very long plane ride. I think it was like 22 hours and there was a layover in Qatar. <laughs> then there was a 13 hour bus ride into the more remote rural region. Um, so we, we visited in Kathmandu where I met my friend Jyoti and her friend Kishore, her friend Benita. And um, that was the more urban area, Kathmandu. I believe Dr. Strange was shot in Kathmandu. So um, that was really fun. Um, not while I was there, but uh, <laughs> still a great movie. But um, Nepal is, is working on like this tourism initiative back at the time for Visit Nepal 2020. So I was working with Rotary to work on increasing the tourism, um, as well as providing school supplies, health supplies, like toothpaste, toothbrushes, masks, soap, no. anything you can think of um, no. for the children. And uh, we had a, a coloring book about inspiration and, um, you know, letting the kids know that whatever they want to do, they can do it. And um, Tulsi Maharjan, he's on LinkedIn with me on Facebook. And uh, he's one of the main reasons how I got there. He's really kind and we still work together on our Rotaract projects. So um, I helped paint the school. We got the supplies. We were interacting with the children, learning about the culture, the religion, the, the even the architecture of the temples and the, you know, the, the towns and the region, the infrastructure. And while I was there, I also learned about the environmental struggles that they're going through as well with their contamination. I mean, we, they have gas stations just as much as we do. And they have, you know, um, many different types of things going. I mean, I, I didn't personally investigate there yet. I'm still working on that. But um, they, need us, they need just as much help as we do in America, you know, and um, if not more. They have so many... Um, power lines, you know, they're trying to figure out how to streamline their infrastructure, you know, but they're, but the people there, 
are so empathetic and supportive. Even if they don't have much, they give us everything that they can share. And, you know, it, it taught me a lot about character and about, you know, worshiping the world around us and helping each other as a community. And um, I really felt like I was able to provide this service above myself for something greater with my compassion and really turning it into action. I mean, I was there for two weeks, but it felt like a lifetime. And I, and I felt like I left my heart there. I could go back uh, at the drop of a hat. I definitely want to go back so that I can help with maybe installing a drinking water well and um, a hand washing station for the kids. Because in order for them to learn, in order for them to use the school supplies that I brought to them, they need to be able to drink clean water and eat clean food. I mean, we use water to make food, especially them with their rice. They have amazing food. Dalbat, Momo, delicious. I, I really enjoyed it. Is that, I, is I really, that vegan stuff yeah. or is that meat? Oh, they have veg and non-veg. So they have okay. chicken. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, so that trip with Nepal was through the Asha Project. And Nepal and America have more in common than we think. And the environment is one of the very big parts of that. And, you know, part of that trip to Nepal was also to show people how much fun and how rewarding volunteering can really be. You don't have to go all the way across the world in order to make a difference, but it just so happens to be fun. I mean, I was privileged to go on this trip. Okay. This actually ties to Coca-Cola pay it forward. I met someone, their name is April, and she sat down with me while we were there. She was in the marketing executive group at the time, and she's moved on to bigger, better things since too, um, but she told me that there's something about me that's meant to do something, and that my passion is power, and that I have the ability, if I just had the resources to make a difference and to really impact the people around me to help make a difference and make this stuff better. And this was in 2016 when we had this talk. And this was three years before I went to Nepal. So after Coca-Cola, I came home. I actually got sick with mononucleosis. I thought I was going to die. It was this whole thing. I was in the hospital for a week. Oh, I'm glad I made it. <laughs> but that was right before I started going to Rutgers. It wasn't until I was more than halfway through Rutgers when I shared my, um, we, we, we were baking and we were selling our baked goods for a drive to save up for Nepal. I had a GoFundMe. And one day I was sitting in my soils and water class and I got a notification from GoFundMe that I had a donation of a thousand dollars. Wow. And that got me there. Wow. It, I need, I just needed funds to go and oh. I had the funds to go thanks to my connection. And it was a privilege to have that connection. You know, I, I work hard to get, to get where I am, but if I didn't have the privilege of knowing these people and being in the right place at the right time, I mean, this Coca-Cola can scholarship, I mean, I don't even know what my mom wrote. She didn't even save it. We have no idea what she said. I, it feels like the luck of the draw and, and I just want to make the most of it and, and show people that we can do this together. Um, you know, I, even if it's just one other person with you, you can make magic happen. I mean, just the other day I was in, um, soupy Island with my good friend from Rutgers, Noah, and I would love to have you talk with him about music. Yeah. He's a musician and he also has a love for the environment. So we went and filled up nine bags of trash. Wow. Some needles, some coats that were torn apart. And, and there's PFAS in clothing. There's PFAS in water-resistant clothing. You know, so that was in there. We found lots of bottles, lots of, um, you know, fast food containers and styrofoam. Mm. Lots of, and styrofoam is a plastic, you know, and plastic is made of petroleum and it was degrading into tiny little pieces. Oh, wow. 
that we're are going to eat that at some point. We're going to eat. Right? We are. We're eating a credit card's worth every week. Correct. Like people don't realize that. If there's, if we're looking for a red flag, that's it. <laughs> like, <laughs> so we picked up tons of styrofoam, tons of bottles, and all sorts of little knickknacks and stuff, and and we called. All we had to do is just call the Department of Public Works and, you know, call the call the police when we find needles and stuff like that. And they take it away for us. I mean, it only took three hours. Like these things don't take that much time. All you need are a couple of garbage bags and some gloves. And some, you know, closed toed shoes so you don't step on anything. I've done that a few times. I've gone to yeah. the beach, Jersey Shore. with Yeah. A group. Honestly, just bring a bag whenever you go out. I mean, Correct. when you go on a winter, hike, when you go on a nature walk, just yep. bring a bag. Yep, we did that. And, and I have pictures. It was a bunch of young uh, college kids. And, and, and oh, I yeah, were they taking this track? little group? And we picked up so much straws and, and plastic bottles uh, along the Jersey Shore, Belmar. Um, yeah, I, I've done that. Yeah. So, um, I, I think we're going to we do can a talk rap. about the garden too. Oh yeah. We could do a wrap. We can. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I could I, intersect I, the environment with more humanitarian work, like our international garden of interfaith peace. That's next Saturday, right? Yes. Saturday, September 24th, 12 PM to 3 PM at the Buddhist Vihara temple in Princeton. Um, and we have flyers online. I have, I have it. Um, and I can drop a, a picture for you in there too um we are intersecting human faith religion worshiping the planet taking care of the planet with native plants from the region intersecting that with worship and bringing us all together and we're raising money to do more volunteering to help people that's great. So uh, not uh, only are uh, we enjoying the, the environment, but we're also worshiping our gods, all of our religions, not just Buddhism, not just Hinduism, but also, you know, Christianity, Catholicism, Judaism, Muslim religion, paganism. I'm a pagan. Um, you know, I worship nature. I worship the earth. Spirituality comes into it. It's, it's who I am. We're connected. We're made of water. The planet's made of water. I mean, just the fact that our little planet is the perfect space from the sun in the perfect spot for us to have hydrogen and oxygen and to make water with that and then to live here. I mean, just the whole idea of us being here is insane. We, the best part is that it's fun and you know, we're, we're starting a community composting group at the, at the Vihara temple in Princeton. It's all there, all in that one little spot. We have food together. We have music. We, we dance, we have fun. It's engaging and you can bring people. We can all enjoy this together. And it's, it's this feeling of community and, and changing the world. And, and my mission is you know, and I'm just so grateful because I really didn't think I'd make it this far. I mean, so many people out there are struggling and, and I struggle too. I mean, I didn't even think I'd get here. The fact that I'm turning 25 next month, I'm blown away. A quarter of a century. I mean, I'm running out of time. We got to (laughs) go. We have to make sacrifices. You know, we're in the middle of this crisis, just like I said in the beginning, where people are really struggling for some peace and people like me who have the resources, the time, the energy, the empathy, the passion, we need to make sacrifices to do what's right for the climate and the people in our planet, on our planet and in the streets. The best part is that we're bringing people together and we're having fun and it's, and it's, it's a blessing. And I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for having me here today, you know, Calvin. Uh, it's such I, an honor to talk to you and to listen to you and to have this relationship you and, know, Rutgers and LinkedIn brought us together. You know, this has been great. Uh, you're yeah. great. You're part of our climate group. Uh, we've got so many little uh, particulates of commonality uh, and, and I, I can't thank you enough. And I really am grateful 
uh, having met you because thank you uh uh we share so many and you know uh, i'm three quarters of a century you're a quarter of a century uh and so that's a great um it's kind of a dichotomy yeah different ends of the spectrum yet we share so much of the same value so this has been great uh and and i look forward to promoting this and i'm officially inviting you back you can come back in in any shape way or form content wise panels groups of people i'm I'm just so open to anything you bring here samantha because you are uh you are the uh personification of exuberance so it's a great way to uh, to end this. Thank you, thank you, thank you, uh, and uh, to be continued. To be continued, absolutely. Thank you. Samantha. Thank you.